In the name of the true and living God, amen. Please be seated. Way back in early March of 2020, which was another time, we were still getting our mind around the possibility that we might be entering into something big, might even be entering into a global pandemic. And back then, we were hearing a lot about the importance of washing hands in order to keep ourselves safe. Washing hands was the thing, and uh, you were seeing signs everywhere reminding us to do it and messages coming out. And um, I remember there was always Purell everywhere that you went. Um, I still have a bottle of Purell with me in my car and on my desk, um, though I don't use it quite as often as I used to. But one of the things that was uh, given to us all as instructions was to wash your hands properly, is to actually wash your hands for 20 seconds. And 20 seconds is a little bit longer than most people do, so people were um, told that a trick to do that is to sing to yourself happy birthday twice, and then you'll know you've washed your hands properly. Some clever people started to put out YouTube videos and have a lot of fun with that. And then some Episcopalians up in New Jersey at a church that has a choir school uh, decided to make a video as they figured people maybe are getting sick of singing happy birthday all the time. They need other things to sing, like, for example, the doxology. You could sing the doxology and then your hands will be very clean. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So the four of the choir school students, teenagers, in their vestments, in the video they are seen with four bottles of Purell in front of them in the church, and they squirt it into their hands as they sing this beautiful four-part harmony a cappella. This video, by the way, had half a million viewers. As they're singing the vid and, and they're washing their hands for more than 20 seconds, the video didn't age well. You, you realize they weren't six feet apart. There wasn't a mask in sight. <laughs> and um, we have gone through so many different stages, so many norms, and, and Actually, this is an exciting moment. This is the first time our professional choir, many are choosing to sing without masks. Did you notice how full the sound all of a sudden is? So each little step we take, I think, is worth celebrating. But the point is, we've gone through so many phases, things that have become the accepted, responsible norm. And it's true not just over time, but over locality. Um, here in D.C., different norms were practiced as opposed to other places in my neighborhood, a very observant neighborhood, it turns out to be. People out on the streets taking a walk or walking a dog, everybody was wearing a mask, including joggers. And even I got to the point where it didn't necessarily make sense, but it was habitual if a jogger came by and they weren't wearing a mask, I would step kind of away from their path and I would hold my breath until they had gone just to keep myself safe. Sadly, this time that we've been living through, it's been a time of seeking safety in being separated. It continues to be a real dilemma. Social distancing, in my view, is always the wrong term. We never should have called it social distancing. It should be physical distancing. Physical distancing to keep us safe while being as socially together as possible under the circumstances. But even that, even with the best of intentions, if we are physically distant, 
inevitably we become socially distant too. We become distanced from each other. In Jesus' day, there was a disease that had been around for hundreds of years known as leprosy. And you can read about in one of the early books of the Bible, Leviticus, which has a lot to do with practical living and cleanliness and uncleanliness in the community. Leviticus chapter 13 verses 2 through 4 speaks about leprosy. It says, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a leprous disease on the skin of his body, he shall be brought to Aaron and the priests. And the priest shall examine the disease on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous disease. After the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him ceremonially unclean. And then the text goes on to explain that the person then can come back in seven days and on the seventh day be examined again by the priest. And if the priest finds that he is still unclean, he will be pronounced unclean. And if that is the case, whenever somebody is pronounced unclean, this is what they must do, according to verses 45 to 46. The person who has the leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head be disheveled. And he shall cover the upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Leviticus 13 and 14 go into surprising detail about all of this, and I can't resist. My favorite part is verses 40 to 43. This is a passage that is rarely read in church. It's not part of the lectionary. Um, so verse 40 begins, If anyone loses the hair from his head, he is bald, but he is clean. If he loses the hair from his forehead and temples, he has baldness of the forehead, but he is clean. But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead a reddish-white diseased spot, it is a leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. The priest shall examine him. If the diseased swelling is reddish-white, he is leprous, he is unclean. And the priest shall pronounce him unclean. The disease is on his head. And I am so glad that the priesthood is not like it was in ancient times. <laughs> So for a person to be brought back into society, brought back into their community, the priest had the role of examining the person and pronouncing whether the person was clean or not. The priest in those days was the gatekeeper between exclusion and embrace. There's a lot happening in today's gospel, which begins with these 10 lepers and you can imagine their lives now. You can imagine how they are outcasts, separated out, living outside of the community. And Jesus encounters them when he's right on the fringe of the village. And notice when they speak to Jesus, the text points out that they kept their distance, which was the polite and appropriate thing for lepers to do. Interestingly, too, they don't ask him to 
heal them or make them clean, what they say is have mercy on us, which I think encompasses even more. And Jesus' response is to tell them to show themselves to the priests. He doesn't say, I will heal you right now. Instead, he says, go to the priests, and they would have known hearing that what it likely meant. Go to the one that might let you back in to life in community. They probably had some mystery at that point, but they get up and they go on their way. And the text tells us that as they are walking in the direction of where they will find the priests, they become clean. But then only one of them turns and comes back to Jesus to thank him. And that one is a foreigner, a Samaritan. It's important to remember that the Samaritans then would normally be outcasts themselves from the Jews. They would not associate with each other, but also all of these outcasts found themselves together, interestingly. They were outcasts all at one. You see, the boundaries in the story are getting changed, broken everywhere. And importantly, it's important not to miss that Jesus is healing here not just disease, he's healing community. The final movement of the story is about the gratitude of this man. And Richard Rohr has observed that the opposite of gratitude is not ingratitude. The opposite of gratitude is entitlement. Think about that. What made the nine other lepers who received the healing different from the Samaritan leper? What made them fail to offer their thanks? Presumably, these other nine were all Jewish. They were of the dominant group in that part. But this is not a story against Jewish people, but against those who feel like insiders, like the entitled ones. It is a precursor to how the Christian movement would soon move out and beyond, and be open to people from all backgrounds. And it took time for people to learn that there are no insiders or outsiders in the eyes of God. And it is also true, sadly, that many Christians still have yet to learn this. Today, we have been physically and socially separated from one another by a pandemic that could have been a force to actually bring us together. We are moving more and more towards factions squaring off and people becoming outcasts in the eyes of each other. We need healing. We need a society to become whole again. The grateful Samaritan who returned to Jesus was told by Jesus that his faith had made him well. Faith in Jesus, the healer, has the power to make us whole. To bring what is broken back together again. With faith, courage, grace, and gratitude, I pray that we might be made well also. Amen.